Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. So we're continuing in this series 29. If you have not been a part of it, it started in February, February 8th to be exact. And uh, we kicked off this series and, and had what begin to break down Acts. And, and so some people have asked, what is 29? What does it mean? What does it stand for? Well, in the book of Acts, there's 28 chapters. And so we're meant to be the 29th, that God is preparing us to fulfill the 29th chapter of Acts. And, and we're going to bring it. And um, so we're going through this, we're learning, and we're going to continue in that today. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Acts chapter 17. And that will be the basis of this message, Acts chapter 17. But we're going to continue this morning in our series 29. And uh, that's if you have your Bibles, go to Acts 17. We're just going to kind of lay it out. Last week we talked about um, Paul and his, his missionary journey. And, and Paul, he, he was set out with his, his missionary partners and they began to go and... Um, they headed out. It was Silas, Timothy, and Lucas. They were all together in Philippi, which is now modern-day Greece. And they were preaching the gospel. And, and Paul and Silas were grabbed by the city. They were beaten. They were thrown into prison. Then the earthquake occurred, and they were set loose. So that was awesome. God allowed that opportunity to, to not just set them free, but to, to show that he's real to those people. I mean, the guard literally uh, was ready to kill himself because of what had just happened. And so... Um, they traveled out, and, and Paul left Philippi. They traveled to Thessalonica, which is where we pick up in Acts 17. We're not going to start off in verse 1, 1 through 9. Paul shows up. This is a lot of backstory. I'm sorry. Paul shows up to Thessalonica with Silas. Um, they spent some time there preaching the gospel to the Jews in the synagogues. Um, these Jews were kind of ignorant. They were very, um, I guess, to themselves conceited. They weren't open-minded in any way. And uh, so w- whenever Paul came, they began to mock him. They began to come after him. And so he was like, hey, I'm getting out of here. And so he shared the word, and, and it forced Paul to leave. So he headed to Berea. And uh, so we'll pick up there. Yeah, he heads to Berea, um, not too far from where I live. And uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But we're going to get into the first point um, this morning. And I want you to get this. This is a huge part. The first thing, if you take notes, you're more likely to go to heaven. So take this down. Um, The first point of this morning is, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And, And I ask this because we have a lot of people that are new to the faith. And so if you're put in a position where you have to answer, man, what do you believe? The gospel is what our beliefs stand on. It's, it's, it's who we are as Christians and disciples. And so we know that, that the gospel is defined as, as the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You know, we, we know those things occurred, and that's what the gospel it is. We, we know that it was explained in the first uh, four books of the New Testament. That's the gospels. It's the, the testament of Jesus' life. Um, it comes from the, the Greek word, and, and I looked it up, and I can't pronounce it, so I'm going to pronounce it in a southern way, and that's evangelion, which is totally wrong, so don't say it that way. But it's, it means to evangelize. It's the good news. It's the good news. It translates to the good news. The gospel is the good news, and, and that good news is what Jesus completed. You see, when, when the gospel became life and, and flesh, Jesus 
He became the answer. That's what the gospel is. The gospel was the life of Jesus becoming the answer to our sin, to our shame, to our guilt, to salvation. Um, Paul tells us in Romans 1.16 that, that the gospel is presented for everyone. That salvation is available for everyone. That he's unashamed of it. And so we know that, that, it's, that we're at a place where the gospel is powerful. And so we've got to grab a hold of this. Knowing that what is the gospel? The gospel is the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. We know that it's the four books of the New Testament. We know that it's the good news. And what did Jesus tell us to do? If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew 28, 19 through 20. What God commanded and Jesus spoke, it says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So Jesus gave us this command to bring forth the gospel, to set out and bring forth the gospel. So what went down in the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? What began to happen? Through the gospel and the ministry and life of Jesus, we saw the dead was raised, sick were healed, the lame walked. The gospel was literally served. Grab a hold of that. The gospel was literally served. It wasn't just a, a theological debate or a process of, of elimination. or It wasn't just a thought. It wasn't just a philosophy. Literally, it was served. The gospel came in the, in the, the flesh as Jesus, and it walked the earth. And God fulfilled it through His Son for purpose for our life. It's powerful. The gospel has power in it. We're not serving a dead religion. We're not in a place of Christianity that's dead. We serve a God who's alive because of the gospel. And so if you're new to the faith, grab that. The gospel is what I believe. Why? Because it's it's power. It's who Jesus is. It's literally the answer to all things. The gospel was fulfilled. So let's pick up that's Acts chapter 17, verse 10 through 14. Go there. When you get there, say amen. Man, y'all are quiet. Do like this. Like If you'll take your head to the left. Hold on. Yeah, left and then, then right. Because I'm a walker, and so if you, by the end of it, if you don't stretch those muscles in there, we're going to be praying healing over you before you leave. Okay? Acts 17, 10 through 14. Man, I'm glad y'all are awake this morning. Hardly awake. The drummer says that. (laughs) Acts chapter 17, verse 10. This is what it says. It says, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. They arrived at the White Horse Road Walmart. (laughs) Oh, I got the message Bible. My bad. My bad. I'm just kidding. No crack on the message, man. I'm sorry. Pastor Terry uses it all the time. I love you, PT. I know you're listening. Well, there's some ministry that needs to be done. But, hey, that's my, that's my roots. That's where I live, so I can make that joke. Don't none of y'all say that? All right? <laughs> All right. All right, let's get back to it. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. 
and that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica, jerks, learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came and they began to stir up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea. But both Silas and Timothy remained there. So Paul, he was an obedient man. If you know the life of Paul, you know that he persecuted Christians. And he came to salvation down a long road, literally, and gave his life to the gospel, and it changed him. And at the moment that it changed him, he became a believer in Jesus. He, he recognized that the gospel wasn't just a philosophy. He recognized that the gospel wasn't just this thought process. He literally served it. And he gave his life up for it. And Paul began to go into places, and he began to speak. He was beaten. He was imprisoned. He began to go anywhere that he felt like God was pursuing. Because he wanted to do this. He wanted to make Jesus known. This is why we exist. This is why we're here. So I want you to grab this. The second point for this morning is that the gospel is our calling. The gospel is our calling. So many people struggle with, and what is God's will and call, what is God calling me to do in my life? Well, first and foremost, you've got to begin to see the gospel and recognize it and it's got, a, it's got a line with what God is doing, where God wants to send you. Paul didn't know that he was going to step through Thessalonica and, and almost be uh, put in prison, and, and he began to leave and, and goes to Berea, and then they show up again. And By choice, he probably would have never chosen to go there. But he went because the gospel needed to be served. He saw that it was called on his life. Matthew 22, 37 through 39 says this. It says, Jesus said to them that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do you realize that when Paul set out on this journey, that he would come into contact with people that love him, come into contact with people that hate them? But he was still willing to go. And he was still willing to to serve the gospel in a manner that it reached everyone. Regardless of their hatred for him. Regardless of their love for him. Because he was set out on a mission. And he recognized the calling. If we are the 29 church, we got to recognize this. That the gospel is a service. That the gospel is is meant to be walked out. And that it's meant to be lived. And and we got to step back from this religious aspect and think that we're doing God a favor and a good deed. And we've got to begin to step in to a relationship that is sculpted into the calling of the gospel. We can sit here and we can listen to a gospel message. We can come in and we can listen to the word of God. But if we never put it into action, we're disobeying what you're reading and what you're hearing. It's so important to recognize what the gospel is 
and recognize that the gospel is the calling. See, God loves you. He loves you so much. He's saying the first and the greatest commandment is to love me and to love others. Love God and love people. He's put us on this planet to do that. Sometimes love can be tough. Sometimes love can be hard. Sometimes love can just be flat out real. I work with young people. Sometimes they love me. Sometimes they don't want me to call them. But when someone begins to step into your life and say, you know what, this is what we believe. This is what we're searching after. This is the purpose of of what you believe. This is the gospel. It's more than just sitting in your seat and listening. It's, It's got an action behind it. It's meant for per purpose, for to fulfill and to make Jesus known. Penn Jillette, a famous magician, is most likely known for his duo, Penn and Teller. He's an atheist. This is a famous quote that he said. He said this, How much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them? He's an atheist. But if you believe in everlasting life, how much do you have to hate someone to never share that with them? Paul was on a mission. He wasn't this guy. He's saying, I I encountered the good news. I've experienced the gospel. It's been planted inside of me. And now I'm meant to go out and I begin to serve it. That I have purpose in my life to serve the gospel to anyone and everyone that has ears. And eyes and hands, anyone that will just listen, I'm going to them. The gospel is our calling. It's meant to radiate from your life. It's meant to radiate in your home, in your workplaces, in your community. The gospel should not be restrained because you're uncomfortable. The gospel should not be restrained because you're uncomfortable. But man, I don't like lifting my hands in worship. Well, worship's not about you. You have to begin to notice, but what if God does not show up? What if God does not answer the prayer? Well, maybe we should just give up and lay down and die. With the thought process of the gospel is truth, that it's literally alive today, Literally, the Spirit of God that lives inside of you raised Christ from the dead. If it's at your hands and anointed with your hands and your feet, anything that you touch, you begin to proclaim. You don't slow down because the enemy has put a thought process in your head that God is in a box and that he's not leaving out of it. But I don't know about sharing God at at my workplace and how they'll think and, and what people will portray The gospel is about Jesus. The gospel is not about your feelings. See, if we, if we begin to, to pursue a religion that was to fulfill our feelings, if we were begin to go after a religion that was just to fulfill our, our self-pride and how we feel, we would be of great deeds. And we know that salvation comes through grace. That you can't earn it through things that you give and things that you do. Some of you need to hear this word this morning. And it's hard. And that, for a moment, is kind of difficult to hear. And 
But so many of us have allowed the, the Bible Belt to begin to form who we are in Christ. The representation that, man, I go to church every week. I got my membership with, with that church, and that's who I'm a part of. Who cares? If you're not walking it out on the street and living the gospel out and serving it in your community, you're doing nothing but taking up a seat in a church. Grab a hold of it. If we are 29, if we are the church, this is why this is, this is kind of difficult to hear, but if, if this is who we are and this is what we're meant to fulfill, we've got to begin to break down walls. That tells us that, man, if we just do good, if we just serve at our local church, if we just begin to, to give, it has nothing to do. But if you just begin to step out of obedience and say the church is not about me, but it's about the body. And what do I bring to the body? And what do I bring into the kingdom? Where am I gifted? And what has God placed in my life? And I recognize it. You're meant to be used. Literally, every single one of you are meant to be used. Every single one of you. There's not this special moment that you're sitting and God just opens up the, the heavens and pours out the calling right on you. Literally, from the day that you were born, if God knew how many hairs were on your head, He had to have purpose to even create you. If He knew everything about you from the moment you're planted in your mother's womb, then there was purpose for you when, you when you came out. But the Bible Belt tells us that it's okay to remain in our seat, sit back where we're at, and enjoy the show. But the many on that day, let's say, Lord, Lord, did I not do these things in your name? And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. There's an urgency for the gospel to be spoken. Acts 17, it's a story of, of a man literally that came from persecuting Christians to a life that was transformed and changed by the gospel of Jesus. And he says, man, I've noticed the change. I feel the Holy Spirit. God lives inside of me, and I want everyone to know. There was an urgency about Paul. Because if you begin to look at the places that he went, whether walking or by horseback or whatever they rode, if you begin to see, that joker went all over the place. He was willing to go any and everywhere. So important. Know what the gospel is. It's the good news. Know what the gospel is. It's the good news. And know that it's your calling. It's placed on your life. Third thing we'll go to this morning is to this, to know what you worship. And this is about to hurt somebody. Know what you worship. And not on purpose. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to you in this moment because I begin to write this point. Yesterday, this morning, at 2 o'clock a.m., when God just began to give it to me. This is for somebody that's, that's in this room. Go to your Bibles, Acts 17, verse 16. Now at this point, we have Paul. He left from Berea. And he's made it to Athens. If you know anything about Athens, there's very intelligent people in Athens. Um, they're very, 
there's a lot of philosophers there. There's a lot of education there. And so at this time, he's heading into a place where all he knows is the gospel. This joker is, has no preparation besides what he's experienced. He has no degree. He has no ordination. Literally, he's walking the streets, and he heads into Athens. And this is what happens. In 16, Acts 17, verse 16, it says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. So immediately, Paul, stepping in, opens his eyes, walking. I imagine he's tired, but the Holy Spirit immediately begins to speak to him. And he's recognizing these idols that this city has placed in front of them and begin to worship. So what does Paul do in verse 17? It says, therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews, with the Gentile worshipers. And in the marketplace daily with those who happen to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. And some said, what does the babbler want to say? Well, if he was in Berea, someone punch him in the mouth. Good thing he left. It says, others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods. Because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. So Paul, he came into contact with these philosophers. And we know that the Epicurean philosophers, they believe they were just made up of atoms. There isn't any afterlife. After death, you just return to matter. We know that the Stoic philosophers believe like those who are now classified as naturalists or who believe in naturalism. And so he's standing in front of these very educated people, and Paul is given this huge opportunity. And in verse 19, it says, And they took him and brought him into the Areopagus. The Areopagus is a place. If This would be horrible if we had this. But if there was a place that you went, if Twitter was a location and Facebook was a location that you actually went to, that's what Areopagus was. So it was a place where they began to come in. They began to throw something out there, hashtag no filter. And then they began to discuss it. They began to talk about it. And so this is a huge opportunity for Paul because literally he's at a place that is given over to idols that are worshiping idols and they bring him in to where they begin to talk and discuss things. And it says this, it says in verse 19, they took him, brought him into Areopagus saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of, which you speak for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Paul recognized the idols. He began to step in. And we know in this this chapter, literally, they had an idol for our God. It says the unknown God. They created the heavens and the earth. They recognize that, but they begin to have all of these idols. This is what we need to begin to do in our life. As the 29th church, the gospel is compelling. We've received it. We've accepted it. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've received salvation through the gospel. The gospel is now your calling. You're meant to walk it out and begin to speak it and begin to be a mouthpiece for Jesus. But then you've got to come to a place and recognize what do you begin to worship, to know what you worship. You don't even realize it. 
But some of you, you begin to idolize your career, your wealth, your success. You begin to spend more time trying to figure and examine how do I make this greater and how do I make this bigger and how do I do this and how do I do that when Jesus is on the sideline and you had a man like Paul saying, how do I make Jesus bigger? How do I make Jesus greater? The gospel is compelling. You may idolize your entertainment. 150 F words, that's okay. Nudity, that's all right. We can still watch it in our home. God will forgive me. There's grace. You see where there's some warped minds and thoughts and thinking that thinks that, man, you can pursue God, but then you can begin to allow these other things in your life. I can... I can be 100% for Jesus, focus on my career, and never talk about him in the workplace because I could lose my job. If we begin to recognize in our life that God has placed you in front of many people, that he's put people in your life and put you in a family and put you in a home and put you in a community, put you in a career, put you in a job, And if you're committing 100% to Jesus, it will be known whether you open your mouth or whether you don't. The gospel so compelling that it will radiate from your life when you surrender your life to it and say, you know what, this is my calling. It doesn't have to come in the forms of words. You don't have to just stand up and make this big presentation that I'm a Christian and that I believe in Jesus. But when you begin to see a situation that you can step in because you know the answer, because the answer was given 2,000 years ago when it was nailed to a cross, when you know the answer and you begin to step in and say, look, I know what you're going through is rough, but pointing them back to Jesus, pointing them back to the gospel. We begin to recognize and, and understand the gospel and the purpose. We grab that. The fourth thing and the last thing this morning is this. You have to depend on the Holy Spirit. You have to depend on the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is alive. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. We know that. You're anointed. You're righteous. God loves you. He has purposed you. So we begin to depend on the Holy Spirit. This is what happened when he was in Areopagus in verse 22 of Acts 17. It says, Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. That you are a bunch of religious people that begin to idolize and worship these things that are outside of God. You have put those in, in front of God and you begin to serve those more because those are your master and they own you. Here's what I'm telling you. The gospel has been fulfilled when Jesus died and it's been made to you for a calling in your life. But the enemy has stepped in and he said, you know what, I've got to make this counterfeit. I've got to make this counterfeit that you're going to believe. So guess what? Here's you a smoking addiction. 
Because I know that I can steal your worship if you begin to focus more on this and less on this. Let me steal for a moment. Some of you are upset. That's okay. Be upset with the gospel. It will change your life if you begin to surrender your life to it. Some of you got to step back and say, you know what, I've got I to lay things aside because the enemy has placed counterfeit things in our life that begin to steal away our joy. If the enemy can counterattack, that's what he's going to do. And so, so Paul, recognizing this, he's telling them, man, you guys are religious individuals. This, these are the things you believe in. So we've got to step back and recognize that the gospel isn't, isn't here to beat you up or bring you down, but it's to build a relationship that's on a foundation that says, you know what, holiness and righteousness, you can pursue those things because Christ Jesus died for you. You no longer have to be a slave to these things. You no longer have to be um, tied up and chained down to your, to your guilt and to your shame and to your past and to your regret because the gospel was fulfilled as good news. I want you to do this. Everyone in the room, I want you to take a deep breath in and I want you to hold it. Don't breathe out until you absolutely have to. What does that prove? That we are dependent individuals. That we have to depend on something. That literally the breath in our bodies, we have to depend on that for life. If we begin to recognize that we're dependent, then we will recognize the need for depending on the Holy Spirit in our spiritual life, in our everyday walk in our relationship with Jesus, that we have to begin to depend on the Holy Spirit as our relationship. Because it's more than just a religion. It's more than just a philosophy. It's more than just a thought. We are dependent. Jesus, He's about relationship. I have this ladder. I'm a visual learner. Known that forever. And so anytime I speak a message, I try my best to incorporate some sort of visual because you may not remember anything but this blue ladder. That's okay. But if you remember why I have it up here, then you'll grab it. Many of you know that I don't like heights. Not a fan of heights. I don't know what that fear is called. I don't care. I just don't like to do it. Whether it's two foot, six foot, eight foot, I'm not a big fan of it. But here's what we begin to do as Christians in a religious aspect that we got to have good deeds and do great things. And we've given our life to Christ. And you've taken this step up. Acrophobia. You've, t- <laughs> you've taken a step up and you've made the step and you said, you know what, God, I surrender my life to you. And here's what you begin to do. Religiously, we get, begin to make one bad move. And we feel like we've stepped off. Man, I've got to begin to start over. And I've got to prove to God that I'm ready for the next step. When God said, when you've accepted me, you didn't start at the bottom. You're already... I'm going to go through the ceiling. 
you're already at the top. I'm not going any higher. <laughs> but you're already at the top. And that it, it doesn't have to begin to start over. That the gospel has been presented and been fulfilled and that it's compelling, that it's been placed into your life. And if you recognize it and you see it, God is ready to use you in this moment. There's not an ordination. There's not a a school that's going to prepare you for the movement of the Holy Spirit. Literally. It's going to be your encounter, your trust, and your faith and experience in Him. We don't have to step down from the height of where God has taken us. The enemy will tell us that we're starting from the bottom and that there's, that these, there's this goal that we have to reach to become closer to Jesus. And he said, man, I bought and I paid for you 2,000 years ago. In the moment you were paid for, there was no return. It's been given to you freely. Y'all saw that about fail. I think, I don't know. But I close with this. This morning, some of you need to make a decision. What you're going to begin to allow God to speak and press into you. Some of you need to make a decision what you're going to allow God to box, what you're going to box God into. Some of you need to make a decision of of if you're going to allow God to tear down the walls and allow you to be uncomfortable. Some of you need to make a decision to live for Him. Some of you need to make a decision to to begin to step out and begin to move forward. There's decisions to be made. And it's through the gospel. I'm going to ask the worship team to come out. And if you guys will hit the lights. All over this place this morning, with every eye closed and every head bowed, we don't do that out of shame. I love what Pastor Terry shared. We don't... We don't have a moment where we ask you to close your eyes and bow your head because you're shameful of what we're about to ask or we're afraid for you to come out and say, you know what, I want Jesus. We do it because we want you to take this time without any type of distraction and focus in on God. Some of you, the word this morning has pierced your heart. Whether, you've a, where you're, whether you're okay with it or you're a little upset by it or a little offended by it, that's between you and God. But right here in this place this morning, some of you need to make a decision and say, you know what, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm not going to live for this counterfeit product of the gospel that has been put into my life, but I'm going to begin to serve the one who fulfilled and died on a cross for me. It's easy as this, as saying yes to Jesus and noticing that, man, I'm at the top of the ladder. It's knowing that I've said yes to Jesus and the gospel that I've received. If you're in this place this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Chris, you're in your own time with God. And you say, Pastor Chris, right now, I want to receive salvation this morning through Christ Jesus. I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand right where you're at. Amen. Amen. I want to do this. All over this place, if you say, you know what, Pastor Chris, this word spoke to me because I've allowed things to come into my life and allowed it to steal my joy. I've allowed it to control my situations. I've allowed it to steal everything that I have. I've allowed the enemy to have his way, and I'm ready to let go. I'm ready to allow God to catch me and be the fulfillment 
to fill the void that I've been trying to fill for years. Lay down all guilt and shame. Right now, if you're in this place and you say, you know what, it's spoken to me, I want you to lift your hand right where you're at. Amen. I see your hands. Amen. Amen. We're going to ask God just to move. Speak to hearts, to speak to lives that we are the 29. We are 29. You're built for purpose to serve and preach the gospel. Every single one of you. If you say, you know what, Pastor Chris, this morning, it's my third and final thing. If you say, Pastor Chris, this morning, I just want to make a commitment that I'm going to be 100%. I'm going to be in. Every step of my life, in my job, my family, my home, I want to leave a le- legacy that represents the gospel. If that's you, man, I just want you to lift your hand. Amen. 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 That's what I want you to do. If you raise your hand for any purpose or any reason, I'm going to pray. And after I get done praying, I want you to begin just to flood the altars. Not being ashamed. If you're saying I'm 100%, then in that moment you're saying, you know what, I'm stepping out of this uncomfortable feeling and I'm tearing down the walls and I'm walking out of it. If you raise your hand for salvation, I want you to make your way down as I, after I get done praying. And I just want you to flood the altars. Let's pray right now. In the name of Jesus. God, we welcome your spirit. Your presence is here. Your Holy Spirit is spoken. Right now, it's pierced hearts. And God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your anointing just continues to flow. Hearts are mended, God. Lives are changed. Mindsets are turned around. God, that we focus on less religion and we focus more on relationship. God, we want to give you our all. We want to give you 100%. God, we want to worship you. We want you to lead us, God, into things and places we never thought we would go. God, we praise you. Glorify your name in Jesus' name.